The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, to all you out there in the Healthcare Rap Posse, thanks for hanging with us. My name is Jared Johnson. My co-host is Peter Balistrieri. We're your hosts, and this is season two of the Healthcare Rap. You can find our full archive of episodes at healthcarerap.com and hit us up on Twitter at Healthcare Rap or our personal accounts. You can, you can find Peter and myself on Twitter with our, our own accounts as well. Give us feedback and tell us what you liked and didn't like. Suggest guests and topics. That's, uh, that's great. We'd love to hear from you. Those are just a couple of the ways you can join the posse. I'll tell you a couple other ways you can do that. To join the posse, it's really simple. There's just a few things. You can listen, you can subscribe, you can leave a review on iTunes, and you can tell your friends about this awesome program. So again, here we go. All right, Peter, welcome. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Jared? Long time no talk. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, it seems like like life is just marching on these days, including the National League Central. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, the Brewers got swept by the Cardinals not long ago, but they came back, and uh, that guy Yelich is uh, pretty amazing, huh? Are you starting a, a campaign to suggest a, a two for MVP, like two years in a row? I don't think I have to do anything. I just think that guy has to do what he keeps doing, and it's pretty amazing. So, yeah, go Brewers. And uh, who knows? We might see that Brewers-Astros World Series. You never know. I called it early on in the, uh, was it, what, two months ago or something like that? That's true. You did. And, uh, and that was before the start of the season when the Red Sox just totally tanked. I'd might say be a little bit of World Series hangover there. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean, it had been like a whole seven years or something since they had won the series. So I'm sure they're, you know, they were celebrating. I'm like, okay. <laughs> My apologies to Red Sox fans. I actually like that team a lot. Like there was only one team I was okay with moving on past the Astros last year and it was them. So I do like the Sox too. I like Mookie Betts. I like a lot of the guys in that team. Yeah. How, how's that for a, for a nice, comfy, cozy podcast intro? Because you know what? We like our teams, but hey, we like all teams. Well, no, that's not true. Most teams. Yeah, I do. I like it. I think it was very comfy cozy. <laughs> I need a dime, ain't faking a bump. So you crank out content, but it's getting stale. It might be nutritious, but it tastes like kale. You're down with finding a way to up your marketing game. Yeah, but when you look for help, everyone seems lame. We're Ultera Digital. Google us and see. We're spelled like ultra with an extra E. We'll help you market forward. Google us and look. We're Ultera Digital. It's off the hook. Hey guys, this is Jared. Ultera Digital is just another name for our consulting team that helps you when your content, your strategy, or your brand is getting stale. You know, like that chocolate glazed donut that was a little piece of heaven in the morning, but when you left it on your desk until 4.13 in the afternoon and you went to finish it off, by then, mm, not so heavenly, was it? By now, you know our philosophy that content is the future, but only when it engages audiences and it isn't a snooze fest. And you've heard how we roll. The healthcare rap, what you're listening to right now is Exhibit A. 
We don't do boring. So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ulterra Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Because it's pretty legit. Well, you know what? We're going to get started. There, there was something that caught your eye recently, a little article about our, our field of PR and marketing. You want to run with that? Yeah, I sent this over to you and I, we do that quite a bit. You know, we kind of send each other ideas and, and this was one that caught my eye not too long ago out of um, Reagan. And it was about um, a study that was put out. The article was written by Ted Kitterman and it was a study, a global study, in fact. So this isn't just kind of uh, the United States. This is worldwide where consumers are starting to see PR and marketing is, as interchangeable. And that stirs up a lot of emotions on both sides of the fence from the PR side and as well as the marketing side. And I know everyone has their initial thoughts like I did, you know, the second you see the headline, it immediately, you, you kind of fall on one side of the fence or the other. And I want to just throw it out there and talk a little bit about it because I think it's, I think it's a good subject in terms of kind of what emotions does it stir up? Where do you fall on it? Have you felt this? Have you, have you experienced it in your, in your jobs? Uh, if you're in, in communications or if you're on one side of the fence or the other, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, it basically says that consumers don't see that, that line anymore. It's that line has effectively been blurred, you know, whether they're getting the classic PR kind of messaging or the kind of the traditional marketing messaging. But one thing it said in the article that was interesting is the one area that has been affected the most by this blurring of PR and marketing is digital communications. People are really having a hard time deciphering what is news and what is not. We can talk about fake news and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, specifically, it's a matter of trying to figure out what is truth and what is not. Basically, Ted Kitterman says that it's more seemingly like a problem for PR folks. They have more to lose maybe in the situation. He doesn't come on exactly say that, but he does say that advertising doesn't carry the same weight with readers that other messaging can, especially when ranked for brand trust and authenticity. And I think that is, I guess, the sentiment for PR folks is that that kind of that traditional, very pure sense of PR is seemingly going away. Did you get a chance to read it, Jared? And if you did, kind of what were your thoughts about it? We can kind of bounce back and forth a little bit. You know, my thought was that it, it harkened back to the very first intro to PR class I had in college, and I won't say how many years ago. That doesn't, make, that doesn't make anyone feel good to think about how long ago it was. But in that very first intro class, like day one, my professor got up and, and said, you know what, all of you, every single one of you in here, no matter how much you enjoy this field and how much you stay, you know, how much you, in, you engage with, and you really like this, this field, said every single one of you in the next 10 years, like the first 10 years of your career, you are going to be tempted to, to leave this field entirely. And a lot of you will. And I was like, way to really pump us up, you know, like on, <laughs> right. on day one. But it, it, was, it was a bit of a reality check. And he just said, you know, it's up to you. He said, if you stick with it, it can be a very rewarding field. But just know that like, this was before social media. Like this was, uh, okay, so I can at least say like early 2000s, right? Uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And even then, just with the introduction of, of the web itself, before things got infinitely more complicated over the next few years, there was still a thought of, you know, PR is just going to be changing. It's going to be evolving. So if you stick with that, this can be a highly rewarding field. And what's interesting is that I haven't had a, a PR related role since 2006, personally. But 
everything really is related. And, and I've considered myself a digital marketer all those years. So all my career, even when I had a more of a PR role, I was, I was owning the website as well. So I feel like I've personally kind of lived through some of this and I can see how it can be startling if you weren't expecting it. But I actually give that first professor credit for just kind of opening our eyes right at the beginning to realize this field isn't going to be something that you just go get your degree and you have a steady career with the same types of roles your whole the whole time. Nope, not even close. I agree with you. And, and I went to school. I'm a classically trained PR person. I, I, I graduated in mass communications with a, with, at that time, they called it a, a PR sequence, which was really funny. Now they have a whole school dedicated to public relations. And I won't say when I graduated there because that's not good for anyone either. But the message that, I, that we receive in that graduating class and those, and those PR classes, those 101s, the 201s, the higher level PR classes is that PR is all about establishing authenticity and, and credibility. And again, it is an evolving, ever-evolving position and, and industry. But I looked at it a little bit more pragmatically in terms of kind of what my role has been and how I've evolved my public relations career into content and, and digital marketing and kind of the, that whole brand management uh, where you start seeing all those things kind of melding together is I think there's room for every one of them. It's just a matter of how does your team or the team that you're working on, how do you work together? Because I, I think you can still, I think there's room for everybody in the pool, so to speak. And what I mean by that is in the world that I've been in, if I've created a piece of content or I'm in, I'm leading something uh, like a campaign of some sort, I think, you know, that kind of that idea of being a unicorn, we've seen that on LinkedIn quite a bit, is when you know all of the different kind of different areas of communications, all the different um, professional areas of communication. I'm speaking internal communication, PR, marketing, design, all of those things that end up working together. You can then kind of go into your initiative knowing how that's going to parse out in all those areas. And you, you kind of carve out those areas. So, you know, these kind of these articles that come out, I get it. They kind of stir emotions, like I said in the beginning of this piece. But I think that there's room for everybody. And you kind of have to just understand, you know, where they fit, but also chronologically within that campaign. You know, sometimes you want to lead with PR and follow up with the website or have the website ready so that when the PR hits, there's a call to action, you can drive people back. So there's dotted lines and there's kind of a order of things. And I think the key here is to that the handoffs have to be done correctly and they have to be upfront and, and transparent with your teammates so that you get a sense of kind of, okay, what's our plan here, right? The strategy has to be there and you kind of lay it out. And so that, you know, everyone's on the same page and you get, you get to understand kind of, okay, here, here's where we're going to do this. We're going to go A, we're going to go B, we're going to go C. That's how I always looked at it. I don't think that there's any kind of one's taking over another. I think there's room for everybody. It's just a matter of how you go about it and what your strategy is around it. I agree. It does feel like there's there's room in the pool for everyone. I really like that. <laughs> and it is. It's all in how you look at it. I've seen it work successfully in so many different organizations and org charts and things. I've seen it work so well. It all depends on on everyone's attitude towards that. And so, yeah, great way to kind of put all that together and, and, and realize like this is the day-to-day. Like this is this is very much the type of conversation that happens. Who's going to lead this campaign? Who's going to be involved in this one? And, and what are our parts? And what do we do from there? That also has to do with what we're going to talk about on a rap battle today. Rap battle! The rap battle is where we talk about 
the status quo. We talk about how marketing and technology have been changing and how to stop thinking the way we did yesterday. So in our rap battle today, we're actually going to kind of continue this, this ongoing conversation about both career progression, because I think that has to do with the article that you just shared, Peter, yeah. but, uh, as well as organization and, and the transformation that needs to happen culturally and operationally within healthcare organizations to really see progress and to really see change. The fact is there are the business systems and there are the people underlying all of this new technology and then the story that we're trying to tell about that technology. So if you think of those in layers, you have the people, you've got the business systems supporting them that are kind of like backstage, but then you also have the tech itself that supposedly that's where we kind of focus a lot you know the the shiny new object the the innovation the the cool things that we're bragging about and then there's the marketing at the very top of that which is kind of the storytelling which is what we are talking about what we are sharing with patients and with other uh, other audiences and if we think of it that way this point was really, I thought some of the comments that, that I got, because we threw this out there on LinkedIn, just this was an ongoing part of the conversation from the last several episodes, starting from the bonus episode through the transformation episode with Jeff Gorgie, through this last week's episode with John Lynn, where we're talking about B2B and B2C marketing converging. And this is just a continuation of this whole evolution of what's going on. So we're talking about transformation. And so I just kind of threw this thought out there on LinkedIn and had some really interesting comments on it that I wanted to share some of them with you with their permission. Because what I put out there is just kind of this thought of, of from the vendor or supplier's standpoint, because if you're the health IT supplier or you're, you know, you're a marketing agency or you're a, a digital or a web agency and you are creating something that is mega awesome and you have done it right and you have answered the, the questions and you have solved the problem that customers are telling you they, they need to solve. And that's your awesome. You've just created it. And it's time for that handoff. And you say, here's the awesomeness. You're welcome. You know, I talked about that in the bonus episode a little bit. It doesn't really matter what the application is. The reactions tend to fall along the same spectrum regardless. So you can think of it as it could be an Alexa skill. It could be an AI application. It could be doctor ratings and reviews. It could be anything. That part's almost, uh, it doesn't really matter. Right. The reactions tend to fall along the same spectrum. You really, because from the vendor or the supplier's standpoint, you're like, man, so excited to see this thing get implemented. But what we're not realizing is that most people just don't want to implement it. They don't know how to, and they don't want to. And some of the comments I got on this were really interesting, I thought, because we were talking about, at the end of the day, human inertia. We were talking a little bit more and a little bit deeper about if we really want transformation to happen in healthcare, let's start with human behavior and not the tech. The problem isn't developing the right tech anymore. It's out there. You know, go to hymns. Like, go, go, just start Google searching anything to do with, with health IT, technology, innovation, med tech, biotech, anything. The tech is out there. Right. It's, it's our adoption of it. And so here, here are a couple of these comments, uh, Peter, and I'm curious you know, how you'd respond to a couple of these. Uh, one of the first ones just had to do with the, the reaction from the vendor's side. And this is by Kate Warnock, uh, who's from Forcura. And uh, Kate brought such a good point to the table. I thought it was really worthy of, of sharing here. Uh, here's what Kate said. She said, yeah, you can certainly appreciate this perspective but not all the blame goes to the vendor. If the internal teams who made the purchase aren't involving their users from the get-go, it's not the tech team's fault that they met with resistance. So she said, no one can afford to remain static in how they do business today. Your competitors will easily best you tomorrow. So let's rally the leaders at all levels of a health enterprise to create that line of sight on why that awesomeness really is necessary and reward the adoption. 
So just a, a really good perspective. What do you think, Peter? I love that. And she makes the two points in there. One I want to I wanna amplify a little bit more is I think the leaders do need to get together and have connection and, and have agreement at that level. But as we said, you know, as we discussed uh, getting ready for this podcast, this episode, I think a lot of the times, and I've seen this happen before in, in you know, previous jobs that I've held, a lot of times that's only one of the boxes that gets checked. The unfortunate box that doesn't get checked is the, is the ground pounders, is the foot soldiers that actually enact and utilize whatever that new piece of technology is, that dashboard, whatever it might be. And when those people aren't brought in, they're the ones that actually use this processes and to kind of force feed a process that hasn't been vetted all the way up and down the line is usually met with issues. Not to mention just kind of feeling a frustration because they've not been kind of, I think the word here, you got to be careful, is not asked, but at least brought into this into the conversation so that there's at least a an idea or that it's mentioned it or that they understand kind of where things are moving to and why they're looking at this new piece of tech or this or this new dashboard or what software whatever it happens to be as humans we hate change right but to what she said we have to change especially in business but i think that oftentimes the people that utilize the tech or the software the dashboard uh, the most are oftentimes kind of left in the dust and, and they don't know about it. So I think it's important to get the agreement at all the levels of leadership that this tech or this software would touch. But also, what about the people that are going to be utilizing it every day or that their lives are going to change in terms of kind of their processes? I mean, they may be going in a completely different direction. And um, again, asking someone to change is hard, but asking someone to change and not giving them any background on as to why or when it was coming or when it's coming, that makes it even harder. I agree. It makes me remember one time when, uh, when I was involved in a live chat implementation at a health system. And the interesting part was we got excited about it in the marketing team because it was going to be hosted on the website, right? The website as an asset generally fell within the marketing's purview. And so, you know, we got excited about, you know, we're going to have an opportunity to improve customer service. This is a value add for our patients. We're going to simplify a lot of things and just make them happier. And people just don't automatically say, yeah, I'm excited to change our whole process just because you are excited about it. <laughs> you know, that, that was not the case at all. And so that a lot of times, you know, we, I would say I learned a lot about the value of internally building rapport and building consensus. And you, you basically have to do the same thing of building a business case for the project internally, help those stakeholders just as much as we do externally. We have to help internal stakeholders recognize the value of what we're doing. And yes, we're asking them to change processes. And yes, we're asking them to be involved because marketing weren't the best ones to answer those chats. It was the billing team. It was the call center. It was customer service. It was clinical team. It was child life advocates. You know, it was other teams who were involved and so this wasn't, it was really more of a case of gaining internal consensus versus simply implementing something completely within our marketing silo. And so, yeah, it reminded me of that. And I thought uh, you brought up a good point there. Uh, and that, that actually even led to one of our other comments. I'll, I'll just share a couple other ones because I'm curious because one of these, you almost said word for word, Peter, and you probably didn't even realize it, but <laughs> there were a couple of comments by Mike Rapp from Regions Bank. And Mike just gave some, some great tidbits here because I, I think the more we we think about human behavior that's associated with technology, the better equipped we are to be able to implement them, the better equipped we are 
to help technology succeed. But we have to understand the behavior that we're asking people to do. So here's what Mike said. Mike said, humans fundamentally prefer familiarity over chaos. So that's pretty much what he said, Peter. He said, we resist change. It's in our DNA. Then uh, this is an interesting point that where he went from here. He said, some industries are actually built on the foundation of averting and minimizing risk. It's literally what they do. Healthcare, insurance, and banking are at the very top of that list. Their ranks are filled with actuaries under a wide variety of titles, but make no mistake, their job is to mitigate risk. The easiest way to mitigate risk is to slow down any change that might bring uncertainty. So talking to those companies about transforming a business that they make billions on as it is now is just crazy talk. I'm like, man, I've ever put these pieces together this way. I loved this this uh, this whole perspective. The one other example he brought up was Netflix. He said, Netflix is such a crazy anomaly that it deserves to be talked about almost as a case unto itself. See, they moved from physical to digital without losing their entire business. He was alluding to the fact that like that's not the norm. He said, most companies will stick with what they know until it's no longer viable. But healthcare certainly fits within that category. There's no incentive whatsoever to change the fundamentals of a business in which they can currently control the outcomes. Just all sorts of lights went on to say, yes, like <laughs> that's why we're dealing with things in a lot of ways in the, within the underlying business systems of healthcare culturally and operationally. A lot of different ways to go there, Peter. What do you think about that one? I agree with that one. I still feel like when you introduce something like that, the other thing that I feel like can be the other side of the coin on that whole thing is when you introduce something like that, I think there's a this idea that maybe at leadership levels that you don't want to bring in all those folks because you know so much that you need, you feel like you need this And if you get too many cooks in the kitchen, it's going to elongate the approval process. And you don't want to hear about all of the the nuances and the issues that are going to happen. But it's almost one of those things where if you don't do it and you don't take the time and you don't go through all of the iterations and, and the concerns, you might lose out time on the other end, when you're trying to actually implement it, if you would have known all those things. And I, I feel like sometimes the idea of speed to market of that whole thing that we talked about, like yeah, if you don't change, you're not going to stay competitive with the industry. But there is a sense where you have to, at some point, you have to address all of these issues. And leadership sometimes doesn't want to dig down into the and, and slog into that into those kind of the, those everyday instances that happen and issues that might come up because they want that speed and they want they you know they want to just move it along. But I think that in the long run, it's worth it. And I think, again, I just really want to pound out that involving as many people as possible with something like this. I mean, you're right. There are hills that you want to take and don't want to take on certain things. But in something that's going to be a key driver, something that is going to vastly change a process or a way that things get done in your business, I really think the more people that you ask for their opinions, any kind of ideas where red flags, I think it's important to have all of those kind of all that feedback, so to speak. I'm a healthcare marketing leader. You see, I've got so many systems going on, you think I won the lottery. But our materials come from so many sources. When we try to innovate, it only forces me to shake my head. Instead, it's what I dread. It's like I said, I'm always fixing legal and brand and AP, y'all. Come on, can I consolidate? Is there a partner for me? Express Docs takes a load off your shoulders by creating a hub for all your marketing materials that's easy for your clinic managers, service line admins, and others to use. Just imagine a single workflow 
where all your direct mail postcards, rat cards, posters, business cards, flyers, brochures, patient handbooks, promotional products, and apparel are all in one spot. Well, that's Express Docs. Order today and have it tomorrow for most items. Visit bit.ly slash healthcarewrap3. That's bit.ly slash healthcarewrap and the number three today. Download a case study or request a demo to learn more and receive a free healthcare wrap stainless steel tumbler. That's right. Go to bit.ly slash healthcarewrap3 for more about Express Docs. Tell your whole crew. There's nothing but good that comes the, when we understand how to involve people at the right points. You know, not everyone has to come to the purchasing meeting, you know, the procurement meeting where we're deciding on the terms and, and considering all the vendors and all that. But we have to recognize maybe more often earlier in the process as we're preparing to roll it out and to implement it when we are going to involve all the stakeholders who have some skin in the game. So yeah, we'll put... I'll share one more comment uh, because there, there were so many. I, you know, like I said, I knew we were going to run out of time you know, if, if we try to get everything. But there's one other comment I wanted to mention from Janet Kennedy from Healthcare Marketing Network. She's a fellow podcaster. And incidentally, if I haven't mentioned it, uh, she was one who about a year and a half ago challenged me to get back on the podcast airwaves. And, uh, and that was one of, genuinely one of the comments that, that spurred me to start this thing up again. So, <laughs> so Janet's a, a good friend, but yeah, her podcast is Get Social Health. Check it out if you haven't. Done, That's uh, a good podcast. If, if for some reason you haven't done that yet, uh, it's, a great, it's a great podcast. Anyway, I think one of the comments really resonated the part about most of the team who get to implement the tech weren't involved in the buying decision and they don't want to change what they're already doing. She responded to that comment in particular. She said, this comment's very true. Vendors should require a meeting with those impacted with implementation to figure out how to make it easy for them. Seeing it from both sides, I've been on the, on the vendor or the agency side. I've been on the consulting side and I've been on the client side. And I've seen how everyone kind of expects, you know, hey, we did our part. We gave you this awesomeness. Now it's up to you internally. I'm sure as a team, you guys are going to be able to figure out how to roll this out correctly. Well, ultimately, that rollout is still the right account person at an agency or a vendor is going to recognize, yeah, you know what? The rollout is still just as important. You know, let me make sure I've gotten resources or I've, I've invited the right people to the table. So I just thought that was worthy of repeating, especially when it resonated so much with Janet. It, it sounded like it seen things similarly from different standpoints and recognizes the importance of just meeting with everyone who's involved. So yeah. Agreed. Just- I will add one more thing onto that because I've seen it too. And I was the business side. I kind of actually felt for the vendor because, you know, like you said, they create this awesomeness, awesomeness and they bring it to a, a business. And I just feel like, you know, if you take your two hands and you put your fingers together and they match up, you get this connection, right? And it's finger to finger, right? And everything works let's not be foolish about this. We know that when you bring in tech or you bring in dashboard or software into a business that's been around for a while, they may have a uh, previous dashboard that is that does not speak well or link up with the, with the new one. So there's that messiness, right? Or they have nothing and you're trying to integrate or plug in the new one into something that was never existing, right? And every business is different. I think it's incumbent upon the vendor too to be prepared for that integration and not to just have this uh, idea that, well, we made this great stuff. Now you got to figure out how it goes in there. There's got to be a, a hand-in-hand relationship and down to the, the minutia of, okay, they thought enough of us to spend the money on this product that we're, that, you know, we're the vendor, we create this, but we have to build in time to work with this company to integrate it in there because if it goes well, vendors are going to be the ones that get the, the great feedback and the, the, the Yelp reviews and all, whatever it happens to be, you stand to 
to get so much in return if you put a little bit more time into your, into your schedule to integrate your awesomeness, your tech, your software to this company. I've often saw that it was the handoff has just been like, well, there's the idea of, well, we got our money and we're just going to get out of here. And a lot of times businesses think that of a vendor if they're not giving ample time to kind of work them through it. Or what's worse is that kind of the airline mentality. Well, you know, you paid for this, but then all of the implementation and the customer service and the, you know, all of the tech calls and everything, well, that's extra. You know, it's that kind of the airline fee. Well, you want to, you want to put a bag on or you're going to, here's another $25 or you want to use our bathroom. Here's another $25 or it's that, that lawyer mentality too. Apologies to all the lawyers out there, but that's got to be fit in there too so that you don't feel like you're getting nickel and dime, especially after a major purchase and you're expecting this technology to actually do what you wanted it to do, which is why you bought it in the first place. Just some last minute details on that. Okay, well, that's great. And speaking of handoffs, that was a great handoff from you to me right now here at the end of this episode. I like it, I like it. We've been talking about handoffs this whole time, so awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, a great discussion today. I think it's going to be just a theme. I think it's going to be something that keeps coming up. We're going to want to be exploring some of the, these just kind of underlying behind the scenes pieces that really have as much to do with transforming healthcare as the big sexy stuff. So, you know, there we go. There it is. So ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging with us. Be sure to keep an ear out for new segments and updates to the podcast over the coming weeks as we fully unveil season two. The greatest, latest example is Keeping It Real, which was a new segment we just introduced last episode, episode number 55 with John Lynn. So be sure to check that out. And if you haven't yet, like I said, join the posse. We'd love for you to do these four things. I'll just wrap it up this way. Join the posse, listen, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends. Healthcare Wrap is an Ulterra digital production and a member of the podcast.healthcare network. So on behalf of Peter and myself, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.